0: what is up peoples what is up what what is is up my peoples of the podcast
1: clean guess what what Uh, once again i couldn't help notice there was no music
2: yeah sean michelle will come later
1: oh willie okay good
2: we're doing another interview today are we yeah i wonder whoever we could be interviewing i don't know if they might have a connection to the shirt you're wearing if you're listening to this on apple or spotify and there's a ring coming at us um yeah that's a shiny ring uh we're interviewing your old college football coach and he was actually my position coach as well position coach that's right steve mullins legendary coach hall of famer from uam playing playing there all american there and then actually a from Camden was a Camden Panther, graduated from there, and now is retired. But man, it was a fun interview, Clint.
1: It really was. It really was. Uh, man, I it's it, one of them deals. It, the time flew. I I could have sat there and catch up, caught up with him all day. Yeah. Um. And, and just a brilliant mind and a lot of fun.
2: Well, in the same episode, he calls you sexy. He does. And he calls. Both of us fat. <laughs> he does.
1: <laughs>
2: and I don't care. I mean it was good. Yeah, I don't,
1: don't
2: I And mean, it was entertaining.
1: So it was fun. I really doesn't does make it. me hey, and you guys does he make me get up and run during the run gassers during I'm the I'm just gonna have to watch and see. You're gonna have to watch and find out. That's, Maybe some gassers or may not. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Mullins. Enjoy.
2: One, four,
3: two, two, three, five! Never seen a lame man walk never heard a dumb man talk Never seen a blind man see. I promise you a change is Never seen a canceled debt Never seen all the poor get fed Never seen a prisoner set free I promise you a change is
2: today we got another episode of the big c and bigger t podcast i'm here as always with my partner in crime big c clint cart coming at you live with his arkansas tech shirt on right right there we go 77
1: <laughs> Clint. i wonder why you're wearing that today man Man, I tell you what, if if at some point you hear first group ready ready and a whistle blows <laughs> and I take off running, <laughs> okay. that is cause them words have haunted me for many many
0: years. Oh, first you know group. that those were special words to hear. you. Know,
1: yeah, you know, they, they were first group ready ready. And you hear that whistle blow and you just take off running. Um well, legendary Arkansas Ar- special guest. Oh, lady. I'm absolutely uh-huh. legendary Arkansas Tech football coach, athletic director. The first man to coach a team to the Gulf South Conference title outright from the state of Arkansas, Coach Steve Mullins. All right, Coach. Thank you, there,
2: Clint. Coach, man, it's great to have you on our little podcast here, and uh, we're excited. I'm
0: excited to be here.
2: And uh, man, we just want to have a great conversation, and whatever you want to tell us, and however you want to make fun of Clint and tell us bad stories <laughs> about him. I mean, we don't get tired of that around here, so, uh, you know, whatever. Well, Coach, tell us a little bit about where did you grow up? Uh, You know, where did you you go to school at, all that kind of stuff?
0: I uh, try to be brief as possible. When I was growing up, it was just me and my mother. Hmm. We moved around quite a bit. We lived in California and Texas and Missouri and Arkansas and spent most of my life growing up in Arkansas. And I ended up graduating from Camden High School down in southern Arkansas. Uh, Then from there, went to school at the Harvard of the South. Yeah. That would be the University of Arkansas at Monticello. Yeah. And uh, let
2: me stop you real quick.
0: All right, go ahead. I'm a a pastor in Thornton. Oh, okay. Very Uh,
3: good. Yeah, I
2: I didn't know that. I was a youth pastor in Camden for like 18 years.
0: Oh my gosh, are you serious? Yeah.
2: So you you were a Panther?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, which don't they don't exist anymore, but yeah, you know, I was a Camden Panther.
2: Now some well, not the, you know, Coleman Stadium's still there. Barely. 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 Yeah. It's still there, but barely, like you said, barely, and some of that. So uh what was your life like? You know,
0: Camden was a little different than it is now. Yeah, a little bit, but it, it was kind of a it had a little bit of an edge to it. And there were some tough characters down there. And of course us Camden kids, we were the city kids and the Fairview kids were the country kids.
3: Yeah.
0: And so, and there wasn't a lot of mixture in between. And obviously now they consolidated because Camden schools went downhill quickly.
3: Yeah. And,
0: um, anyway, but it, it, it was fun. I've got a lot of good friends, a lot of great memories, um, Talking about that area, and talking about Thornton. My mother and my grandmother are uh, buried at a little Mount Holly Cemetery outside of oh, Bearden, yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. And um, anyway, I, I get back there. Oh, probably once every three or four months. I just like to go back. A lot of great memories. Yeah. And uh, well,
2: well, tell us about real quick that rivalry, because here's the deal: I don't think other people understand this. Gamden Fairview is one school now, but it was two schools. And were you both five? Oh, wait, that was
0: back, they're both four the Yeah, back in that day, there were only there yeah. weren't as many classifications. And we were actually three A during that time. Okay. But it's there cool. were there were only four classifications in the state at the time.
2: Exactly. So the second biggest classification in the state, two of those schools in one town. Yep. And literally, Clint, they're right next to each other. I Uh-oh. mean, like, as far as. Oh yeah. Not very far, like less than three minute drive to get from one to the other. I mean, almost. Well,
0: oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, it it was intense and uh, my senior year in high school, we had a really, really good football team. And my and it was it was a weird deal back in the day, which is just the opposite of what it should have been. Camden and Fairview played the first game of the year. Mm. And so you can imagine the build-up to that game. Oh, yeah. But then the flip side of it, you know, when you lose the biggest game of your year, you're going to play the first game of the year. And uh, I always thought that was stupid.
3: You know, should have been the last
0: game. But anyway, my senior year, we beat the dog out of them, I'll say.
3: Yeah. But
0: we we went out, and I know high school is obviously a lot shorter uh, quarters in college, but we held the ball – for the entire third quarter and the first two plays of the fourth quarter. Wow. We were, we were very methodical.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, nobody could relate to this. We lined up in the power eye. Yeah. And we just – it truly was just three yards. yards Let's be far, physical. Though. Let's see how, you know, bad we can beat people down. Oh, that's great. And, and we had – we uh, we were blessed with talent on that team. And I'm talking about Division two and up. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about just the division one. Division two and up, we ended up counting sophomores through um, seniors. There were like 10 guys that signed off that team to play collegiate football at some level. So we we, we had a good team.
2: That's 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 so neat. Yeah, I, I knew someone had in my time in Camden, someone told me that you had graduated from Camden. Yep. Uh, I, I couldn't remember uh I, I, I couldn't remember for sure. I knew I'd had that conversation with someone. Now, were you down there around the same time? I don't know age-wise, but Tuberville was at Harmony
0: Grove. Yeah, and I'm older than Tommy.
2: Oh, yeah, okay.
0: Just a little bit. Yeah, he was at Harmony Grove, and then he went to uh, Southern Arkansas, is where he went. And obviously, he's now a senator for the state of Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, now we
1: I, myself and Jumbo, we were from rival high schools. Yep. And he he gets to he gets bragging rights because I went zero three against him. Oh. Uh, yeah, so it, it was it was pretty bad, but we did I think play the shortest football game in the history of football games. Yeah, because at Greenbrier we ran the dead T, and our pass play was a draw. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> uh, Excellent. In fact, our <laughs> offense on it, our offensive line had to yell
1: pass just to make them <laughs> were passing. That's like, literally, literally what they going through the motions, they're we're actually passing. So they pass. Well, what's so <laughs> interesting because
2: that's you know Greenbrier, Volonia was our rivalry. But we all hung out with Valonia people on the weekends in Conway because everybody would go to the movie theater there and everything. But in, when I talk to people from Camden, if they grew up in Fairview, they never went to Camden. Oh, no. They never went. They didn't go to the bank. They didn't go to the grocery store in Camden. And it's literally less than a five-minute drive away. They, they, but Fairview had their own banks. They had their own. Grocery stores, they had their own, everything. Oh, and they yeah. didn't
0: intermingle at all. They, they hated each very, other that much. Very, very little, very little. It, 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 was, it was pretty intense.
2: That's that's great. I love hearing those old stories about, you know, high school ball like that. So those uh, and, and Camden was all just two decent, size, especially the state Arkansas, the size of schools, that big rivalry. And then, oh, like, yeah. even when I, I moved there in 2002 – And there were still people that were, wasn't happy about consolidation.
0: Oh, no. And, and, you know, most of the time when you see, and I've seen this in all the states and every places I've been, when two schools consolidate, you usually change the colors, Mm -hmm. change the mascot. It's something brand new. And, of course, Camden was pulling some stuff to force Fairview to take them on. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, Camden had a lot of problems, a lot of financial issues. And so they forced Fairview to take them. And then when I found out it was going to be red and white Cardinals, it broke my heart. I bet. I mean, I'm, I'm over it now a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, but, you know, there there was a lot of pride in the black and gold and the Panthers. And, I mean, I still know the school song and everything.
2: Yeah, that's great. Well, you went to UAM. Yep. Played football there?
0: Sure did. the uh, My freshman year, Okay, let's, let's uh, how much time do we have in this show? <laughs> we got
1: an hour, but we'll take it longer. We don't care. You go right on ahead. Yeah.
0: Okay, I'll tell you a quick story about me going to UAM. First off, Clint knows that I'm a stickler about doing everything early. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you aren't there 15 minutes ahead of time, you're late, and I think it's a good life lesson. This is part of the story. So, on the depth chart, my head coach was a guy named Quintus Cruz and on the depth chart, everything was color coded. And I remember this particular year that my freshman class, we were color coded in green and the seniors were in purple. Mm
3: -hmm. And So
0: I've signed with UAM it's late in the spring. I go by the coach's office and behind coach Cruz's head is the depth chart. Anybody could see it. Mm -hmm. And I went in there and I looked at the depth chart and I am a incoming freshman. And I'm listed as first team ahead of a senior. And I'm like, yeah, you know, they know how good I am, what a stud I am. (laughs) I'm already starting as a freshman. Yeah. So, and I remember the guy's name was Mill So it's the first day of reporting in August. And I get to Bankston Hall, which was the dorm we all lived in at the time. And I'm, I'm there early, early. And as people are coming up, I'm like, you know, hey, I'm Steve Mullins. I'm a freshman from Camden. You know, I'm a lineman, all that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, there's a guy gets out of the car, and I think, well, he is either like some kind of student coach or he's a manager. He's probably a manager. And he is now, this is an offensive guard. I didn't tell you that. I was a lineman in the day. Mm. And so this guy comes walking up the, the, the drive to Bankston Hall, five, nine, maybe 175, maybe. Really? Got glasses, horrible haircut, glasses sitting sideways. I'm like, hey, I'm Steve Mullins. And he says, hello, I'm Monty Milholland. That was the guy I was lifted in front of. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I see him and I'm thinking, well, damn, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I was like being a as is a great player. Yeah. But then when I saw Monty, I thought, well, I, I get it. It wasn't exactly a lot of time.
1: You're being being modest uh, about your college football playing career because you are in the UAM Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, things got better. Yeah. (laughs) I'll keep telling stories. But as we went through that freshman year, all of a sudden I discovered that Coach Cruz, before we reported sophomore, junior, senior, there were 21 people in the three upper classes. Twenty one. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he had run everybody off. Wow. And we had one hundred and twenty or thirty guys, a hundred of them being dumb freshmen like we are. And uh, so we started going Coach Cruz is a different kind of cat. And um, we went two and nine that year. And my the first game of the year, we're playing UAPB And it was me and two other true freshmen that started. The last game of the year, which we were playing against Southern Arkansas, we had 13 true freshmen starting. So as time went on, my next year, my sophomore year, seniors, we had two seniors that were when I was a sophomore. And one of those guys was a transfer from Arkansas Tech, by the way. Mm. Anyway, so we got better and better. Yeah, And um, by my senior year in college, we won the championship. We went nine and two, one of the losses being to a Division One school, which we had no business playing. Yeah. And, and Clint, and I appreciate Clint bringing it up, but going backwards, my freshman year, I started 11 games in the offensive line. Every day I begged Coach Cruz to move me to defense. Hmm. Every day. And he'd come over there and he'd squeeze my shoulder and he'd say, now, and my nickname was Moon. Now, Moon, if you had a lot better attitude, you'd be a lot better player in the offensive line. And I'd be like, coach, please move me to defense. Rest of that story, they move me to defense in the spring of my freshman year. The next three years, I make all conference and my junior and senior year, I make all American.
3: And,
0: uh, yeah, it, it, but, you know, this is back in the day, and I played at 235 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I went back, when my mama died, she had a lot of my stuff up in the attic. Now, this is my senior year in college, and it's a scouting report against Southern Arkansas. They had one offensive tackle that was 240 pounds. Oh, wow. The next biggest person was a tight end who was 215. Wow. Had starting offensive linemen between 195 and 205.
2: Oh, wow.
0: You know, I, I probably should have looked like a good player. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, know? Clint, can you imagine? I mean, nowadays, if uh, if there was a 200-pound offensive lineman?
1: Oh, man. No, it just wouldn't happen, I think, or small no. guy. Will. I would always give Gabe a hard time. And, by the way, Gabe, like, He's a little stalkerish on this uh, podcast. I've got a restraining order against him. Oh, no. (laughs) But, no, uh, no, I'd always give Gabe a hard time for being small, and he was, what, 270? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, he was a lot – we've gotten bigger through the years. But
0: but I'm going to tell you what happened, you know, like for for y'all and and younger people. A hundred years ago, if the University of Texas signed, you know – we're going to sign a hundred people
2: yeah. to
0: make sure that TCU or SMU or Houston or some of those don't get them. They can sign a hundred people.
3: Yeah.
2: There
0: were no limits. right? And obviously that, that made things horrible. And so they started changing the rules where you can only sign so many, have so many on the team on scholarship. And so those greater athletes started filtering down to mm. the smaller school levels. Okay. So, yeah. And and, and I'll give you an example. My senior year in college, I was an All-American. Ten years later, I'm coaching at Southwestern Oklahoma, which is now in the the conference that Tech is in. I'm coaching there, and I probably couldn't have started for that team.
3: Yeah.
0: And it's the same level. But over a period of ten Ten years, years. all those great athletes start coming down, and it it just made everything better. Yeah. But you know, used to at University of Texas, they'd have twelve tailbacks on scholarship, right? Just because they could afford it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm getting off tangent. But. No, 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 oh, no. We don't, we don't mind. We don't. Now,
1: now you graduated UAM, which, as you said, it's the Harvard of the South. Oh yes. It's kind of like getting to Arkansas Tech. You got to be a genius to get in there, and then the graduate is
0: just oh it, just yeah, just up, up <laughs> Write your own. A, a, a Mensa type of IQ, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, I turned down MIT to come to Arkansas Tech. Right? I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, what got you – I mean, you know, obviously, graduating from A.M., you could probably wrote your ticket to anywhere. What made you decide coaching? What got you started? I,
0: I, I just – there's two things. Obviously, I love the game, and I have personal success. So, that feeds, you know, your, your feeling or ego or whatever that. And I'll be a little – personal, my whole life, when I'm growing up, I never had a man in my life
1: Mm. ever.
0: And so my first exposure to a a male figure in my life were my coaches. And I realized at an early age, whether I had any respect for the coach or not, even a, even a a person that was not a very good person could still control my feelings and my attitude. Mm -hmm. And so I saw an impact that coaches had on athletes, particularly athletes that that never had a father Mm -hmm. or grandfather uncle or anything like that. And uh, my my grandmother was an only child. My mother was an only child and I was the only child. So my tree was a trunk, my family tree. And so I realized at a very early age what coaches could have an impact on guys' lives,
3: mm-hmm.
0: good or bad, good or bad. Oh, yeah. And so that really drove me to coaching and I just enjoyed it. I love the competition. I love the Saturdays. Uh, I like watching people get better. Uh, you know, you see people, and this is true in everybody's profession. And you were talking about being a youth pastor. I know you've seen it, but you see people that are maybe not in a very good place. And Mm -hmm. then they fight, and they they don't give up, and and they keep thinking things are going to get better, and then all of a sudden their whole life kind of transforms. Yeah, and and there's nothing you can't put a value on that. And of course I'm preaching to the choir, talking to you, but the um, you know the the ability to impact lives, you know whether you are your youth pastor or a coach is there. And, And I'm not saying that I was perfect in that absolutely not clint knows that I, I make mistakes and i'm sure there'll be a lot of former players tell you that i'm a whatever I, i'll be well, careful with my clint
2: won't, clint won't tell you about any of them because he still afraid you're gonna run him <laughs>
0: yeah, i told him i
1: said look i'm a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. i do tournaments all over the world and i'm still scared of him <laughs> so, <laughs> so no but 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 you're right there's a there's a lot of a lot of the guys that didn't have fathers in their lives and and that you're a role model to them
0: yeah uh, well be, I, it good or be it bad well, well and folks, I not, even, I
2: even you know something i've seen too and i i was just talking to my church about this other night uh or last night but um even for those kids that have a dad in their life which i i had a dad in my life uh but he he wasn't i mean my parents divorced when i was young and all that kind of stuff i had a stepdad that me and him just didn't get along And those coaches were, even though I had some men in my life, you know, with the house, man, those coaches had a huge impact on me as a, as a, just on who I am as a man and learning. And I, and I had some, you know, and I had some influence, I had some influences at church, but man, those coaches, you're, you're out there, you're, you're sweating the way you challenge them. You're challenging them to go beyond themselves. Like you talked about. And when they, you yep. see them go beyond themselves, you're there to celebrate that with them. And that makes a huge difference in a person's life, in a kid's life. It can. So can. I, I mean, I, I've always, in fact, I've always compared coaching to, to ministry in a lot of ways. <laughs> For one thing, job security ain't always that good. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. All it takes is one upset person, does You make the wrong people <laughs> mad, man. They're voting you out. <laughs> and coaches make the wrong people mad that school boards getting together or that, you know, council at the or whatever at the college. But
0: oh no.
2: But you know, um, so yeah, and I know you know that that's that's one thing I love about coaches because that's I think that's you know, we, we got to interview our high school coach on here one of the first interviews we did over a year ago.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
2: Uh Bill Buckner and uh you know, that's and one on. of the things we were able to talk to him about <clears throat> was how he felt a little bit of that void for us. You know, oh yeah. And I know it can, Kent, it can be didn't...
1: positive
0: and negative. Yeah. Well, it oh, definitely,
1: yeah. definitely can. No, because I, I mean, I don't know, and I'm seriously, I'm not gonna name his name because he was he was a good coach, but the offensive line coach before you got there, I didn't care for him very much. And I, I could, if you hadn't came in, I can't say that I'd have played four years and graduated. I really can't. Well, I
0: appreciate um, you saying that.
1: Yeah. No, that's just the truth. I mean, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll blow your ego up, but I'm also going to speak the truth. <laughs> but, <laughs> See, but, you, now, you know, I, now, out of curiosity, because because you, you're you going into coaching, you've obviously, you know, a lot of people go the high school route. What made you go
0: the college route? The maturity of the athlete. <laughs> and and I really did, uh, particularly when I was younger, enjoy the recruiting aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and getting to know people and getting to know their families, and trying to figure out what makes people tick, what motivates people,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, once again, made as many mistakes as I did successes. But I enjoyed going into new places. Um, I, I don't know. I and I just like dealing with a more mature athlete, and I never coached high school.
3: Yeah,
0: okay. you know, I, I became a GA, and then from a GA, uh-huh. I got a full time job and. Never looked back from 1980 until uh, 2013.
2: What are some of the places you coach?
0: Well, I I GA'd at University of Central Arkansas. Mm. And then from there, went down to Lamar University in Beaumont, Texas, Mm -hmm. and was down there for four years. And that's where I met my wife. Got married in Texas. It was a funny. I'm getting off track a little bit. Once again, you guys just tell me to shut up. But when I moved down to Beaumont, I have a uh, Monte Carlo at the time. Yeah. Everything I owned in the world was in that Monte Carlo. <laughs> Everything. So I moved to Texas. I get married. We get fired. Rightfully so. We should have been fired. And so my next job is in southwestern Oklahoma, in weather for Texas. I rent the biggest U-Haul you could rent at that time. Still had to leave stuff behind. It's just amazing. In four years, not only do I pick up a wife, but I pick up more stuff than I ever knew I'd own in my life. Yeah. Anyway, I go up to Weatherford, Oklahoma and work for a man named Paul Sharp, who has since passed away, love Paul and his family. And then from there went to uh, Northwest Missouri and I worked for a man named Bud Elliott, who I picked up a lot of things. I only worked for him for two years but, and he never played football. He went to a high school that didn't have football and ran track in college. And, but I thought he was a great motivator and a very positive, positive person. Mm. And Bud has passed away too. I'm sorry to say, but we enjoyed our time at Northwest Missouri. We were two and nine our first year and nine and two our second year. And we were running the wishbone and, um, it just a lot of great memories up in Maryville. And then from Nor- in Northwest Missouri, I'll get off on a tangent on that one. Years later, I get a chance to interview for the head job at Northwest Missouri. And to this day, I still think it was my best interview ever. Mm-hmm. And then there was a guy that they hired. And next thing I know, they're calling me and saying, we're going to hire a guy named Mel Churchman which, you know, guys that don't know anything about Division II football, none of this means anything to you. And I'm like, well, who in the – is Mel Churchman? Why is he a better coach than me? Well, Mel goes up to Northwest Missouri, and he's won like seven national championships and played for three or four more. And I'm thinking, well, they probably did make a good choice on that. Anyway, after Northwest Missouri, then I go to Northwestern Louisiana, and I was there for either seven and a half or eight and a half years. I, I don't remember now. But that, it's in Natchitoches, Louisiana, just about an hour south of Shreveport. Mm-hmm. And really a unique place. It, it, it's the oldest city in the Louisiana Purchase. Mm-hmm. You know, it's older than New Orleans and everything. Well, and so there's a lot of uh, history there. Uh, there's parts of the, the city that are very beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, the river and all this stuff. But anyway.
2: It, it is a beautiful little, little place. Yeah, you've been there? Yes, sir.
0: Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Good. Yep.
1: Uh, Friend of mine, uh, coordinator the entire time there, were you offensive line?
0: No, no, I came there. I was the linebacker coach when I first got there. And then after that, the year later, the offensive line coach changed professions. And Coach Goodwin, who was the head coach, asked me to be the offensive line coach. And so then I started coaching the offensive line. And then years later, the offensive coordinator left. And then that's when I became the offensive coordinator.
2: Now, that's uh, Ed Orgeron's uh, alma mater. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I, and once again, y'all tell me, shut up. But I'm coaching at Northwestern. Next thing I know, this guy named Ed Orgeron shows up. And and Babay is what he goes by. Yeah. And, and so, he gets there, and he had been at this time, like, at Miami and all these other places. And I'm like, what's this dude doing here?
3: Yeah.
0: And he's had some personal issues and personal demons. Mm. And so they just about got him at that point. And he came back to Northwestern as a GA. And uh, he was there for a month or maybe two months. And then he was gone again.
3: Yeah.
0: But you, I mean, everything that you've seen on television, that's just, I mean, there's no, False pretenses.
2: That's who he is. That's
0: yeah. who he is. Passionate guy. And back in those days, that was long before all this Red Bull stuff. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, I, I read about him, you know, drinking 12 Red Bulls during the day. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I, I don't doubt it. Don't yeah. doubt it at all. Yeah. Uh, he, he was a different cat, but he was a great coach. And, mm. and you know, people always talk about his recruiting. You could definitely be around him for 15 minutes and know that this guy knows how to recruit. I mean, it, it was impressive, but anyway, the then... food
2: from do what? You miss the food from Natchitoches?
0: Dang straight. I do. Now, now my wife is a great Louisiana cook dude. and her father was a Methodist minister.
3: Hmm.
0: And for a point when his, when her mother and father were still married, they moved around a lot in Louisiana. And she was uh, she was actually adopted out of a uh, home in New Orleans, yeah. and uh, her her dad and her mom were living in Ruston at the time. Yeah. And then as things have gone, and her dad has since passed away, but uh, you know he's lived in Bell Chase and Bastrop and Mandeville and um, oh, I'm I, 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 you you know, Methodist
2: ministers right. move around a lot. They move their ministry. They don't get a chance to get voted out. They just.
0: No, they don't.
2: They're <laughs> like, oh, you're there for three years. They move you on. That way they get tired of someone else. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: And I grew up a Baptist. Yeah. In Camden. And Dr. Maddox was the preacher at the time. First Baptist. Yeah, at the First Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And I thought he'd been there like for 50 years. Yeah, yeah. And that's all that I knew. And the next thing i marry into a Methodist family and I'm finding, you know, Every two years we're gonna change places. Yeah, I'm
2: yeah. Like, really? It's just a different style of leadership. It works for them. Right? It's worked for years for them. So oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It. But
2: it's just, but that is a byproduct, is you bounce around. You, you know, I can around.
1: I can vouch though, Miss Liz is a wonderful cook. Well, it's thank good. you. I appreciate yeah, you. It. I mean, it is I mean, because I've He used to have the office line over like at least once a year. She'd make gumbo or something along those lines, and it was always just
0: Oh, it it is good, and yeah, um, we – anytime that we go down to Louisiana, there's certain places that we go and buy buy food to cook, you know, that we load up in a freezer and bring back, and, um, yeah, she knows what she's doing with that.
1: Yeah, because I about ripped a hole in your trampoline on one of those. (laughs) You're like, no more 300-pounders on the trampoline. Get off, Clint. Get off. Off the trampoline. Pretty fine. Feel the grass
0: when I hit Probably a good call. Well, probably because you're just a great athlete. <laughs> That's something like that. Yeah, it takes a great athlete to push a trampoline all the way down to the <laughs> <point, right>? yeah. <laughs> Thanks, those, those little 150-pounders, they can't do that. You no, know,
1: they can't do that. Only us biggins.
2: So, from Northwestern. Then to Arkansas Tech. Move up to Arkansas Tech. Now, I understand that was a little different of a transition, wasn't it? I mean, you, you didn't – it wasn't a regular. Was odd
1: time. I didn't realize how odd of a time it was. I mean, I was there. I played a year under Hollingsworth. Um, it's the summer, and then somehow, you know, you know, back then there wasn't social media. That's right. And so you start hearing whispers in the dorm, like Hollingsworth stepped down, and blah blah blah, and we don't we didn't know who was going, and it was just it was an odd time. How was that from your end?
0: Oh, it was unbelievable, and, and I actually took the job on July second. Won't ever forget that, and. Uh, Excuse my dogs. They're barking at somebody.
1: Oh, mine were just barking earlier. Don't feel bad.
0: Okay. Thank you. Anyway, so basically came in with somebody else's coaching staff and somebody else's players. And and I don't know if you remember, but at the end of the day, Ricono showed up. And so he was the only guy out of everything that I brought in. And so, you know, I had a lot of impressions and I was told a lot of things about, where we were as a team. And I don't know if you remember any of those early days when I showed up, but I found out quickly that I was misled about our conditioning and I was misled about our strength. And, um, I, I'll never forget. And of course there's all there's a, a million ways to skin a cat. And I was told about this conditioning that we were going to do. And I, once again, I don't know if you remember this, but this is like my first practice. Yeah. And we're running those one tens. Yeah. And they're divided up by size and everybody's got a time that they got to make. And all I've been hearing about for a month from the other coaching staff was about these one tens. So we get out there and run and you probably don't remember any of this. We start. Well, I had uh, knee surgery. So I didn't participate. Okay. So we start Take running the one tens and I'm <laughs> like, wait a minute. You're telling me this is the conditioning I stopped the drill. We're not even halfway through. We've got guys falling out. We got guys not even close to making their times. And I've been told for a solid month, what great condition we're in, what great condition we're in. Anyway, that, that was my first sense of where we were. Yeah. I remember
1: opening the courier, um, the, the local paper in Russellville and reading a quote from, New head coach Steve Mullins says, the condition of the offensive of line is terrible. <laughs> it was true. <laughs> no, you didn't lie. Uh, I mean, because I was I was there and I can vouch. We, we were not – because under the previous coaching staff, you know, you didn't really – because they would get you in shape, so we'd all show up out of shape. And then we realized real quick, because I was texting Gabe earlier and he was like – He's like, ask him what his true thought – he goes, see if you can get him to answer what his thoughts were when he first got there, which you pretty much just did. Um, like, I've been duped.
0: Well, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you nothing. I can say this because I love him as much as I love you. I'd kiss him on the face too. You mentioned him earlier. Travis, is this, this guy, Jumbo Cawthon? I know Jumbo, yeah. You know <laughs> Jumbo? Okay. Once again, for a solid month, I've been told that he is an absolute – freaking stud i mean he he is the man so one of the things that we do to teach discipline and conditioning at the beginning of practice we have these things called tires Mm. and basically it's running agility drills through three tires you've Mm. got 10 rows each row's got three tires in it so basically all you're doing is running around three tires and various you know right hand left hand left foot right foot uh, backward, forward, bear crawl, just a figure lot you Figure eight. And all you got to do, if everybody will just finish the drill, now this the, the distance from one tire going all the way around, coming all the way back is five yards. You got to remember that. It's five yards. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is finish the drill, and nobody has to come back. But if one guy doesn't finish the drill, everybody's got to come back. Anyway, saying all that, we go through, and this is back in the hard days when there was a true two-a-days and all that. The entire preseason two-a-day practice, Jumbo never made it out of tires. He never made it out of tires. He was already spent, gone. And I'm thinking, okay, this is my stud. Anyway, long story short, just like we talked about earlier, Jumbo didn't quit, and he yeah. kept fighting and fighting and fighting. He turns out to be a great, you know, all-American, all-conference type player.
2: Well, but, and we've had Jumbo on here when we did. We do a during college football season. We do a pick'em. Okay, we had him ways. on
1: Greenbrier Bologna week. Um, <laughs>
2: and then I we'd known him, when you know, in high school. We always, of course, playing against him and stuff. We kind of knew who Jumbo was. I didn't know him personally real well. But uh, uh-huh. but uh, you're talking about a pretty athletic big man.
0: Oh, yeah, he had great feet.
2: You're talking about a he had guy. no endurance,
0: sports. no endurance.
2: In softball tournaments, it plays the outfield.
0: Oh, my gosh, how about that? Yeah. Well, and I'm going to tell you, he, or did. you know, Uh, initially he struggled, but, you know, as far as heart and toughness. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he pretty, he pretty tough character. Made it out. but yeah. Oh yeah. I I was very proud of him. So
2: you got there, you were disappointed in, in where they were at, you know, because you were told one thing or whatever, sort of encapsulate the disappointment when you met your third string center.
0: Well, I could (laughs) tell already he was the sexiest guy on the football (laughs) team. Thank you. There was no doubt about that. I think he had I think he had on a a uh, little half t shirt and speedos. I remember (laughs) what he had on when I first met him.
2: It's his normal attire around the house.
0: But one of my favorite memories of all these beautiful offensive linemen, Travis, we used to do gassers for conditioning. And it, it was hard. Yeah, I fully admit that. And so those guys would get out there and start doing it, and they would start stripping. You know, and, and this is the point in college careers where you know there's no such thing as a jock strap anymore.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's
0: just all the, this tight stuff that they wear looks like the spandex that the volleyball yeah. girls wear.
2: Those things, yeah. Yeah,
0: and, and that's a horrible comparison, but anyway, yeah. but, all, but all of a sudden, I mean, they're stripped down they're running back and forth. It's a hundred degrees and there is angles of fat flying in different directions that I never thought I could see fat (laughs) fly. Now, effort was there. Oh yeah. Effort was there. They're trying to make their times, you know, and the whole thing is, and we go all the way back to what we talked about earlier, expectations for people.
3: Yeah.
0: And, And, uh, even for me nowadays, you can always go further than you think you can go. You know, I I do. I'm a retired guy, and I still exercise and all that. And, uh, you know, don't think that there's days like right now, what we're going through over the last uh, 10 days. uh, It's changed my schedule.
3: Mm. You
0: know, used to, I was out there between 10, 30, and 1 doing all my stuff. Mm. Uh, But, you know, I got to be smart about things. Mm. But you still like to challenge yourself a little bit. Yeah, and challenge other people as a coach, and, and once again to see where people were back in August of '97, and where they were in August of '99. Uh, it just does it does something for a coach's heart. It does. Oh, and, to, yeah. and to
2: and to bring that up, okay. '99 was a special year for y'all. Oh yeah, and uh, I got I came to a couple of those. Was games. it now? Yeah, what, Clint, <laughs>
0: what is, I see you. There's, there's
2: something shiny coming from Clint's screen over there. I don't. I don't what is that? Something, that
1: that what? is that is a 1999 Gulf South Conference Championship ring, right there. Beyond special. That's yeah. right. it was special, and you know, and you talk about seeing people make the jump. When you first got there, I I, I will say this about myself, and I've worked hard on my self-deprecating unit and try to see myself in a more positive light. But when you first got there, I was a joke. I mean, I really was, I wasn't in shape. I, I you weren't didn't the only think, one though. No, I, I wasn't the only one. I wasn't the only one because I remember 50 bleacher day and I get up to the top of bleachers. We're around number 20. And I'm like, I'm just going to jump off this thing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, they'll, maybe, maybe they'll think I fell. Um, <laughs> But that being said, I went to work over the summer and went from joke to at least you know respect respectability. Um, oh, no. my, problem, my problem, the problem with me was, and just being just downright honest, is number one, I never was consistent. Um, I just never was. I mean, I would look great for two plays, and then I'd step snap the ball over Shane Sabois' head on the third <laughs> the play. It, it would it would happen. It would happen. Uh, it, it happened. But but I never was able to take that. Sp- step step from respectful to to where you could count on me during a game when when it was on the line and i understand that but i had my place there and i enjoyed my time there and it was a big thing for me to go like you said from where i was to where i ended Mm -hmm. i mean the the guy that graduated with you wasn't the same guy that started with you oh no not all not not even the same i mean the the growth in my skills from day one to was just it it was night and day
3: oh yeah
2: no doubt. Well, what's impressive is, is to hear you talk about, when Clint talking about for him personally, and, you know, and like you said, he wasn't the only one that was, you know, not where they needed to be there in 97 when you got there. But for two years later, for y'all to be, it was SAU, y'all beating that final game, right? Yep. For y'all to beat them, and they were a good team.
0: They're an excellent team.
2: Yeah, for y'all to beat them and win that Gulf South Conference championship, man.
0: Oh, it was a big deal. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. and it was overtime. And when Charlie Larimore fell on that fumble, where where I was at, watching, I, I was like, I think that's a fumble. I think, but I couldn't see. You know, there were people. In fact, the referee was running around, and he was kind of in my side of vision because it was going towards their bench,
3: yeah. towards
0: their sideline. And so I'm trying to see, trying to see, and then next thing no, you know, just everything erupts. It, it, it was, it was a wonderful thing. And, you know, the, the thing that was so special about that team and any coach will tell you this about any championship team, the one trait every single time is people being unselfish. And And, this, I, and I would say this, even if Clint wasn't on here, but when you understand what your role is, And you go out there with a good attitude and Mm -hmm. you go out there with good effort every day. And we had some of our better players were very unselfish. Mm -hmm. You know, they went out there and busted their butt every day. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have your best players working real hard and, and that are hungry and everybody just being unselfish, you know, not everybody, no matter what parents think you can't have 75 starters. That's right. It it just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. And when you are called on, uh, you know, you got to step up. You got to show something. But, you know, there's a reason that guys are first team, second team, third team. -hmm. There just is. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm being a little whatever now. But when, when I hear about, oh, you know, the coach is not playing his best players. Are you kidding me? So he's going to play his worst players where he can lose and lose his job. And so, you know, as he's supporting his wife and kids, he loses his livelihood to feed his family. Yeah. I mean, think about how stupid that statement is. He doesn't play his best players. Really? Are you in practice every day? Yeah. Do you know what that guy did over the cafeteria yesterday? Yeah. Do you know how he was – disrespectful and class you know i i, I don't know I, i'm off on a tangent but there's so many things going into no,
1: you're no you're 100 you're 100 right now like you said that 99 group was a special group and even now when we get together you know me and you talked on the phone the other day i called you and we talked for about 20 minutes and it felt like two minutes
0: oh yeah
1: it just whenever any of us get together there's a chemistry there that's just I don't know how to describe it. It's just, we pick up. Well, y'all, y'all,
0: once again, going back to 97, what you survived between 97 and 99 makes you pretty special. And it makes you pretty tough. Mm. And you think about how many people were there in 97 and how many of those same people were there in 99. You know, that number dropped. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of people that weren't tough enough to make it through there. But...
1: Yep. At what point, dear 99, did you think, okay, I've got something, I may have something here?
0: I thought when we were going through two days, once again, this is the olden days, not like it is now. Mm -hmm. And and there's a certain amount of of toughness that you've got to have and determination. And it just seemed like people were not, uh, there wasn't anybody giving up, there wasn't any quit. Mm-hmm. You know, it was not, and we've talked about this before, and Clint's heard this, and all my players have heard this their entire lives. But when you have something bad happen, you got two choices.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You can hang your head and feel sorry for yourself or you can fight through it. Yeah. Those are your only two choices. That's it. When something bad happens, you can give in to it or you can fight through it. That's it.
3: Yes. And
0: so I it just felt like, you know, with the heat and the gassers and, you know, people getting banged up and all that, nobody was openly bitching, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, uh, you know, now in the locker room, that's a different story. And that's the way it should be. It was probably me. Yeah, probably. You're in the dorm (laughs) or or in somebody's apartment. (laughs) But when you're out there on the field and it's just like, okay, you SOB, yeah, I can handle this. Go ahead. What do you want me to do now? I can do this. And so we had a little bit of that toughness attitude that, you know, you want fighters. You don't want people that are going to spit out the bit when things get a little hot or whatever. Now we all have our limits. I get that. And everybody's going to have a bad day, everybody. But when you have the bad day, what are you going to choose to do at the next day?
1: Yeah. You know, no, and I remember you would always you you would switch it around. Everybody would give give speeches before oh yeah practice and all that and you'd come up with tidbits thought for the day. Yeah, thought for the day. I remember I did it, you know, during the spring of my senior year. And I remember you did one, and I remember you saying Reggie Jackson and Del Murphy are the two names that stick out on my list. But you'd listed like five or six names, and all of them Hall of Famers. You're like, what do these guys have in common? And you kept trying to get it. They were the career leaders and strikeouts is what it was. Is that's it, right. But that's not what anybody remembers about these guys. Reggie Jackson, we remember Mr. October. Yeah. yeah. The entire lesson was when you hit that adversity, not give it up. Now, we did, you know, it wasn't without adversity that we won that title. Not, not even close. I, I'm, you probably remember the Delta State game. Oh, my gosh. You probably have nightmares about it. Chris Taylor, speaking of unselfish, Starting quarterback the year before for Madkins, a dirty red devil. That's right. Um, reason I don't have a conference championship title to my name in high school. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm not bitter though. <laughs> um, but he had moved from quarterback to fullback. Cause you had a need there. Yep. Um, so he'd moved and, you know, it was obvious. He played a
0: little bit of tight end too.
1: Yep. Just, he, he was just unselfish Punted. He was there to do what we needed him to do. Yep. Um, he went. He had just before the game started having back spasms. Danny Albright, starting right tackle, gets in concussion like first quarter. You're having to play a true Um, George Harp, starting quarterback from was it San Diego State or San? I mean, Jose he State? was from
0: California somewhere.
1: Yeah, I think it was San Jose State. He transferred in, tears every ligament in his knee
0: on a trick play
1: that I thought was a
0: wonderful trick play and I'll be Gum and, and George, and he was a great guy, too, and a great quarterback, but go ahead. Yeah, then he tears up his knee. Tears up his knee, and, and that. so you've got three offensive
1: start, starters out early in the game, and it, you know, what was your thoughts after that, during that game, just out of curiosity? At one point, you called me over, and I'm like, what's he doing for me? I'm not, I guess you wanted me to get some snaps of Savoy
0: to calm him down, but I was just like, I
1: don't. <laughs> He's trying I, I,
0: I thought I was trying to do anything. Get Shane to calm down a little bit. <laughs>
2: uh, Maybe Clint will say something dumb, make him laugh, calm him down. There
0: you go. But you know, it, it was a it was a struggle after we lost George, and and of course we're starting to think about you know what in the heck are we going to do at quarterback, and then that's when Josh Price stepped up and obviously had a great year filling in for George. But George, I mean. Yeah, I was very lucky at Tech. I had a string of a lot of great quarterbacks, really did. Um, and it's gone the other way. I, I can remember one year where we lost everybody, and we had a guy named Mark Eversman who was a quarterback in high school, but he was like a kicker. And that's really why we recruited him as a kicker from Little Rock Catholic. Mm-hmm. And we ended up having to start a kicker at quarterback all year. Mm-hmm. and we But we still won five games with Mark at quarterback. Uh, but anyway, we had a string of a lot of good quarterbacks, and George Harp was going to be one of those. Yeah, really was. He had, he had some talent, but then when he tore up his knee, I, I don't know. That's still heartbreaking. Yeah. But then that gave Josh Price his opportunity, and obviously you see what he did through his career too.
1: No, and that and that's just that's just it. Is eventually, and in, in, you know, when you play college football, you're eventually going to be you're going to get your opportunity is going to come. Absolutely, and, it, and, it, and it's the, it's then whether you grab a hold of and you take you take the opportunity by the horns. That's up to you, and and Josh definitely, Josh definitely did that, and 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 so that's crazy thing. And plus, you know, at some point, Travis Horn was a starting halfback, and uh, he ended up with a plate in his foot, wasn't it? Yep. So he was a great unselfish player too. Was, so literally, you lost your starting quarterback. And you're starting running back, and still won the Gulf South Conference.
0: I know. Thank you much, guys I'm proud of them. Hey, we, thanks to your third string right center.
1: <laughs> I,
0: I'm it's gonna take all of them. Uh, I
1: said it's thanks to your third string center. No <laughs> doubt, absolutely. You know a funny story about that year, and and you won't remember this because it's actually kind of hilarious. And I told, I think I told this story with Jumbo on here. Okay. There was one because we would always do a walkthrough before the games. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have the office line out there, and I overslept. Uh uh-uh. uh. I did. I overslept. I missed it. I've come running to your office in a panic because I just want to apologize to you. I'm like, he's not going to let me dress. I'm going to be in so much trouble. And it became obvious really quick you didn't notice I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I hold up to it, and you're like, oh, just don't let it happen again. I'm like, okay, no problem, Coach. <laughs> I was so scared. I'm to afraid death. that sounds very true. <laughs> yeah, no. <do>. Um another, <laughs> another really funny story about how, I, uh, how, you know, and there's a lot of respect that I have towards you, and I think you know that. But also I, do. I do. With a with, with healthy respect comes a healthy fear, especially back then. There was one day you're taking us over to the whole building. We're going to get to work out in the pool. I cannot swim. I can doggy paddle at best. We're at the deep end and I'm a senior. And so you have the whistle in your hands and you said, first group down and back, ready, ready. And you blow the whistle and I just jump in the water. Oh no. I, I doggy paddle for my life. I make the lap. But it was – it had to be the world's slowest lap in a pool ever. So I'm, like, I'm not not jumping in if he's blowing the whistle.
0: But well, I appreciate you overcoming that fear. Sure. Yeah. Well, well,
1: coach, uh, so, now in 2000 – it
2: was it 2013 you retired?
0: Yeah, out of the football part and then became AD only.
2: Okay. How long were you AD?
0: From I took over in 2003. I did both head football coach and AD for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Which was plenty long enough. It's it's tough deal.
3: Work,
0: yeah. yeah, particularly at the collegiate level. Yeah. Anyway, uh then in 2013 became AD only from 2013 through 2019. Yeah, you know, I got out at a good time from the standpoint of the pandemic started and yeah. all that, and and um not speaking negatively, but the enrollment has really gone down uh, at the previous school. And, you know, when, when people don't start showing up school, that kind of affects your budget too.
3: Yeah.
0: So it, it's tough. And, and I know that y'all keep up, and you've seen what's happening down at Henderson and the stuff that they're going through trying to survive. And, um, hold on, I got something on my screen. I don't know if it's showing up on y'all. Anyway, uh, I don't know when, when I first was, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. When I was first positioned into retirement, that maybe that's the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. I I was pretty whatever because I have no hobbies, none, zero. Yeah. Uh, It's just football and family and that's it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I thought it was going to be a hard adjustment. But after two or three months, it's probably about the best thing ever happened to me. It really Mm -hmm. is. Well, now, you,
1: now you you did some interesting things out there. Um, I mean, because you you were athletic director when, when Tech transitioned from GSC to the GAC.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, and we were the lead group in yeah. that. Yeah, it, it was a transition. In the Gulf South, we were always treated like second-class citizens. Everything, all the power lied east of the Mississippi. And when we had would have our meetings, and I'm talking about at the administrative level, presidential level, uh, Arkansas was treated like the redheaded stepchild. Mm. And so the Oklahoma schools were in the lone star with the Texas schools, and they kind of felt the same way. And so, you know, geographically, financially, it just made a lot of sense. Yeah. And so we actually started forming that conference out at Lake Point, which is on, that was a conference center that Arkansas Tech owned at the time. They've since had to sell it because of financial reasons, but it was a pretty nice place, and uh, that's where we actually started forming the conference. Was on a, basically in, in Russellville, and it's been um, a blessing from the standpoint. Very you know competitive, and, and as you talk about AD. Uh, six, I was, I guess, AD in that conference for, I'm trying to get this right, I'll be close, for eight years, and seven of those years, we won the all-sports trophy.
3: Hmm.
0: And and the other year that we didn't win, Harding won, and we finished second to them. Hmm. So I'm very proud of what we built as an athletic department and how Hmm. successful we were. Uh, Anyway, and, and, you know, there's been uh and it needs to happen it needs to circle back around to football now but there's been some really good upgrades over the course of time while I was A D there and um anyway there there's more upgrades that need that need to happen now you know because you want to stay competitive.
3: Oh yeah, for
2: sure
0: but, and I'm not being ugly but Clint when you played there's a heck of a lot of difference between North Alabama and Southwestern Oklahoma.
1: There definitely is.
0: There's a heck of a lot of difference between Valdosta State and East Central University, and I'm sorry, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but the Gulf South was a pretty rough, rugged, rocky conference. I mean, if you made it through, you had to be tough. Yeah. Because there, you know, Valdosta's winning national championships. North Alabama's winning national championships. Uh, West Georgia, since we've left, won national champion, and. Um, you know, it's just a really good Delta States always got talent. You know, they're the only Division II school in the whole state of Mississippi. Yeah.
1: I don't know about it, their head coach though.
0: Oh, their head coach now sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Here, Travis, he's a, a Tech alumni. For Todd Cooley, former he's, former had coach.
1: A, he's had my hand. He's had his hands on my bottom, so I can talk junk about yeah.
2: it. I'm familiar with Todd. Yeah.
1: So, um, now you've also you've served on the Division II playoff committee too
0: haven't you yeah i was actually president of division two at one point okay
1: now now how are those conversations do they get cantankerous at times where absolutely know?
0: absolutely and you may not believe this but i i am a strong-willed person <laughs> i've and, never and, noticed and, and there were a lot of things that i thought were i guess i can say different words now that i'm retired but they were just stupid and this this attitude permeated over the year, particularly as you talk about getting into the playoffs and they would talk about the quality of the loss where whatever Travis and I play head to head. I beat Travis.
1: Yeah.
0: Later I get beat by Clint and they're saying Travis needs to go in there because my loss to Clint was not a very quality loss. Yeah. And I, I'm just like, are you – and once again, I'm trying to watch my language. Clint knows how to talk. Are, are you crazy Yeah. that I beat somebody head-to-head head and they're going to get in the playoffs and I'm not?
3: Yeah.
0: Are you kidding me? Yeah. Anyway, I, 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 and I, this sounds egotistical, but I kind of changed the whole narrative of that. And I would be, let's talk about quality of wins.
3: Mm.
0: Let's not worry about losses. Let's talk about quality of wins. Yeah. There's good wins, but all they want to talk about was good losses and bad losses. Yeah, and I'm like, what the hell? because yeah. you know, I mean
1: that happened. I mean you were the you were the you were a victim of that. Yes, twice. Two, twice two years I was. Two years I graduated two years. I graduated. Y'all beat UCA, and they said, well, UCA's loss was better.
0: Yeah, yeah they had I had higher quality. Don't think that wasn't stuck in my crawl when I became president of this thing. <laughs> no, I could have. <laughs> I could imagine you were very – Or chairman, I should say. Chairman of Division two is the proper term. But, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There were a lot of things that changed under my leadership. Now, I'm not there anymore. It's probably all changed back. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's not your dog and pony show anymore. Like, you can do it. I
0: don't care. That's right.
2: Well, Coach, (laughs) speaking of change, um, you know, you talked about the change in college sports when you were younger, you know, when Texas would have all the, you know, athletes. Oh,
0: yeah, oh, yeah.
2: Well, right now, we're probably seeing, when we look back in history, some things that are going to impact college sports and football more than probably in the history of the sport. Maybe. maybe. We'll see. You know, history will kind of bear that out. Uh, What do you think about all the stuff with the, you know, NIL transfer portal stuff? You know, what's your opinion on what it's going to do to college sports,
0: it's going to ruin it. it, it, it it's it's it, you know it's just it's five letters M O N E Y, and that's all that counts. Absolutely nothing else matters. Conferences, allegiances, loyalty, all those kind of things. The only thing that matters is money. That's it. And, and people, you know, you can crave the old days all you want. It's not coming back. It's not coming back. And I will tell you this, I, I still have lots and lots and lots of friends that are coaches. And I'm talking about all levels, division two, one AA, power five. To a man, every single coach I've talked to, there's not one man that's happy. Yeah. There's not one man that's happy. And I won't name a name. And, Clint, I don't want you to name because you may know who it is. Okay. One of the guys I'm really close to, He last year he made $750,000 a year. And he is absolutely miserable. Absolutely miserable. One of my former coaches. And, and then I've got another former coach that made over $500,000 last year. Absolutely miserable. Now, one thing that just happened that gave him a little bit of relief is they're gonna come in with a time frame on the portal. You know, the portal is basically turned into a 24-7 thing.
3: Yeah.
0: Coaches have, you know, particularly at the Power Five and and the other and the other five too, they have a coach assigned to the portal every day of their life. Mm-hmm. That's all they do. They yeah. just work the portal. Does this guy fit? You know, is he good enough to play at our level? And so they and and I don't know the exact rule, but now there's a cutoff date about when you, you know, this is the last day you can join the portal. And so at least there's a, a, a stopping point. Yeah. You know, you don't have to keep looking at 2 o'clock in the morning because Travis decided that he wanted to join the portal. And the next day the head coach is like, what in the heck are you doing? You know, so uh, whatever, Louisiana State's already t- talked to Travis. Why aren't we talking to Travis? Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, it never stops. And, of course, the NIL stuff, which I don't, I don't have an issue with the players with the free enterprise system. But I don't know if it's necessarily free enterprise.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, but what has happened is the NCAA has been handed their ASS in lawsuits. Mm-hmm. And they're in a position where they can't win anything – and so in turn, they just say, we give up. If that's what you want the rule to be. Just get after it. So you went from being extremely constrictive, you know, where you're going to lose your eligibility if you sign an autograph for $10 to you do whatever you want to do. I mean, it, it, it really has done a more a 720, You know, it's gone 180, 180, 180. You know, it just keeps going. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and people talk about the wild, wild west, and it truly is. Mm. It truly is. And you see about these high school guys, well, the number one, a year ago, the number one-rated quarterback at the state of Texas high school commits to Ohio State. Well, he doesn't even play his senior year in high school because he wants to go ahead and get his NIL money. And in the state of Texas, you can't. At the collegiate, I mean, at the scholastic level, you can't earn money that way. And yeah. so he just skips his senior year, goes up there. And of course, he's since transferred back to the University of Texas, but never, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's all, it's, it's M O N E Y. And I'm well, sorry. Now,
2: Now, in the state of Louisiana, a high school player can get in deals.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the high schools are going to be forced to change them. Yeah. They're going to be for, they don't have any choice. Change that, yeah. You, you yeah. think I got any back pay
1: coming from Arkansas Tech from all them 77 jerseys you moved? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> if just, I went back and figured it'd probably be close to half a million dollars, I think. You're right. <laughs> yeah. You're right. It was the number one bestseller in the bookshelf. It was. It was. Thanks
1: to your family. Breath on that, Sue's a very caring woman. No
2: <laughs> doubt. No doubt. That's yeah, yeah, Sue, and, Sue and Tom probably bought them all. But uh, yeah, I agree with you, Coach. I think it's. Uh, there's going to have to be some regulations on it. There's just going to have to be, yep. you know, and, I, and I've said on here before, I think this super conference thing that's happening is the first step. The next step will be once they do that, they're going to, the NCAA will be no more, just like the NII used to be. The NCAA will be no more. They'll come up with a new governing body for those super conferences and they'll have, and they'll come up with some regulations, I think that's going to be one of the things that'll draw them into the super conference. And oh, I, 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 yeah,
0: I agree with you. Come up
2: with some regulations on transfers. And, you know, so it's not because, like you said, the coaches can't be
0: happy with it. Well, no, they're, they're, you are absolutely cannot manage your roster now. Yeah. You can be sitting in the running back room thinking, you know, we're going to be pretty good next year. 24 hours later, you're thinking, what are we going to do? We don't have any running backs left. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's not – and I truly am sounding like an old guy on this. If you know that you can transfer when the coach calls you out, Mm. like, you know, Travis, Clint, y'all are fat and y'all not doing anything, get in shape. Well, that hurts my feelings. You hurt my feelings. You call me fat. I'm going to transfer.
3: Yeah.
0: And that goes on now. No, it does. does. Well,
2: and the thing is, all it takes is a kid getting mad for a couple days.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: And all of a sudden they're in the transfer portal. And I'll be honest with you, if I was a head coach and they got mad over something like that and they all of a sudden run off and join the transfer portal, say la vie, buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially nowadays because I'll go get someone else. No, you have to.
0: Yeah, you better be working that portal, too.
2: Yeah. And I'll go get someone else that's hungry that's coming from a smaller school that wants your spot because they want to compete for a championship. And so, if you're going to be a whiny baby about it, go on.
0: Well, know. and the other thing is happening, and once again, you see it at every level as it comes down. All the way, it's it's happening in Division Two right now as we speak. But all of a sudden, you're a sophomore, and you're an all-conference-type player at Division Two. chances are you're not going to be there the next year. Yeah, no. You know, coach has gone out. He's recruited you. You've loved the school, you know, all those things. And you've got your first couple of years in, and everything's going great. But then all of a sudden you're at Arkansas Tech and Arkansas State's calling you. Yeah. So, you know, hey, we really got a need at wide receiver. Uh, I think you know, this, this, year, this year at UCA, they had an outstanding wide receiver. Now he's at Louisville. He's their number one receiver coming out of spring ball at Louisville. Yeah. A- and, uh, you know, a dominant player for them, a difference maker. Mm. A- and now he's gone.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, it's almost like you want a bunch of above average players. You don't want any great players because yeah. you're not going to have them. Yeah. Uh, unless you're at the top of the food chain.
3: Yeah.
2: Anyway. And I think that's even going to hit harder in basketball.
1: No, because we actually had this conversation, because it used to be you'd think it was a matter of time before a Butler, a Davidson, a school like that won the, won the NCAA title. Now you're not going to keep a Steph Curry at Davidson. No. Play no for more. Davidson for a year or two, then he's going to go to
0: Duke. Yeah, Duke or Kansas, North Carolina, yeah.
1: It just, that's, I mean, it just, it's, not,
0: it's not the same anymore. And then you have the NIL stuff. You know, it's not only the prestige of a, a a school that's really good in one sport, but all of a sudden, oh, you know, my NIL deal, and I can't talk my N I L deal at Arkansas State. I'm only getting two thousand dollars a month,
3: mm.
0: and all of a sudden, at let's say South Alabama, you know what, Clint, you come down here, you're gonna get four thousand a month. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, that's not a decision. I'm gone.
3: Yeah.
0: I'm gone. I, I'm going to the highest bidder
3: mm-hmm.
0: and I can turn this around and I'm talking about in the division two world. And I don't know how much y'all have talked about division two. You've got 36 full scholarships. That's it. But you can divide them any way you want to. Mm-hmm. Travis can be on a dollar. Clint can be on $10,000 and Steve can be on 50 cents. Mm-hmm. So, but as long as that total ends up being at 36. Mm-hmm. So, as you are recruiting in the division two world, and I'm talking to that great player at Greenbrier and I offer him a $2,000 scholarship. Well, then Henderson call, comes in and says, you know what, I'm gonna give you a $3,000 scholarship. And then Monticello comes in and says, I'm gonna give you a $4,000 scholarship. And I don't care how the kid's visit went and how much he loves the school and this is the best spot, this is the best coaching staff, this is the best facilities, I'm going to tell you, he's going to go to the highest bidder.
3: Yeah.
0: I don't care. He's going to the highest bidder because it's about M-O-N-E-Y. Mm-hmm. And so now as you're dealing with this NIL stuff, I mean, if you're not shopping, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah. If you're a good player. Yeah. Um, but I'm also, you know, the flip side of that is that it does not get enough publicity. And I don't care what level it is, guys that say, you know what, I'm going to the portal, and the coach says, don't let the door hit you, Mm. and and just say they're a Division II player and they're on four thousand dollars scholarship, and then they start looking around. Guess what? Nobody wanted you. Yeah. And now you got nothing. Yeah. I was telling
1: Travis, if I'd have went in the portal, I would have still been there.
2: I hear you, brother. And the <laughs> yeah. Center from Arkansas Tech is still in the portal. <laughs>
1: we got a guy who's been in there since
0: 1998. No, <laughs> <laughs> <We got> that. <laughs> right. still got a semester
2: left. He's still got a semester left. Yeah, coach, I, I totally agree with you. That's a uh, usually I'm the one with the the uh, the old man takes on here. Okay, I, I still like the old bowl system and and uh, oh yeah, I like the original BCS because at least the number one and two. But other than that, I don't want to play off in 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 uh and in, in, in you know, Division One. I. I know it works well for Division Two and everything, and but I'm just a, well, I'm a tradition guy, you know.
0: And I'm gonna preach a little bit more too. And I can say this, you know, in the Division Two world, if you're gonna win the national championship, you've got to play at least fifteen games. Yeah. With thirty-six scholarships. Yeah. And so now they start talking about division one player. Oh, we can't add all those games. Yeah, yeah. They're playing 13 games with 85 scholarship players. Yeah, yeah. But you can play 15 or 16 games with 36 players. That's okay. Division. That's okay, division two. You just do the best you can. And yeah. you know, if you whatever lose 25 players to injury, so you know, just part oh, of the game. Part of the game.
1: How hard is now how hard is that math at Division Two? You know, to figure out like, okay, I've got 36 scholarships. This guy's my starting left tackle. I'm gonna put him on a half. My okay, my starting quarterback, he needs to be on a full ride. How hard, how hard is that process for you? Guys?
0: It is a hard process. But what at the end of the day, what you try to do, well, what I tried to do, what we tried to do was to package things, you know, whatever Clint, he's a full pale guy. And so we'll make up the difference between his Pell grant and his athletic scholarship where it doesn't cost him anything to go to school.
1: Yeah.
0: And where Travis is a, you know, he made a 35 on his ACT. He's got everything taken care of except for making up a thousand dollars worth of books or something. Mm. And so we're going to give him a thousand dollars. Then with your academic money, you're on full scholarship. Mm, And so at division two, it's a lot of putting the pieces together. And then if you're some like some of those cheating private schools, Travis, as we talk about your profession, and you get all these deacon scholarships, and uh, I went to Washington, so yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, if you you know, if you get this deacon scholarship because one time you drove by the Baptist church and we in Arkansas, uh, you know, you get the deacon scholarship.
3: Yeah.
0: So, you know, it's all about putting putting things together.
2: I got in school on one of those scholarships, so that, you need to be careful.
0: You know, at the end of the day, you know, when people have backgrounds or talent that to get their school paid for, and, of course, now you got a little bit of lottery money
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, that, that can contribute. Uh, you know, it's expensive as college is nowadays. You just oh. got to put a lot of stuff together to make it work.
2: Yeah, anything a kid can do to, without having a hundred thousand dollars of student loans to pay back when they get out, because that's no a, doubt that's no a, doubt. that's too much of a burden to put on somebody to. Well, it to is.
0: It on. is. You graduate and whatever you get, you know, state of Arkansas right now, you get a forty thousand dollars teaching job.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, for sure. Well, coach man, uh, anything else you want to say about Clint and and and? Uh, <laughs> You know, just uh, how bad he really was as a football player.
0: Oh, he was a horrible football player. I was. But he was a great guy.
2: He was entertaining as all get out there, wasn't he?
0: Well, and the other thing is, and Clint had one or two episodes where he would get upset. Rightfully so. We all do. Uh, But at the end of the day, as we talk about people that are unselfish and they know what their role is, yeah. Those are the kind of people you win championships with. It's just that simple. And, yeah. uh, and, and I would say this, if we were not on here about Clint, uh, you know, just knowing your role and being unselfish and coming out there and working hard with a good attitude.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, if you give your best every day, that's it. Yeah. You know, I can't grow hair on my head. You know, there, there's some things you can and can't do. Yeah. And um, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm, I hate golf. Yeah, you no, know, it's it's the world's worst sport. You know, everybody's got talent in different areas. Yeah, I'm sure if I lined up and did judo, I'd get my butt kicked.
2: <laughs> That's right. Well, Coach Man, we do appreciate you coming on here. I know.
0: Well, I'm honored to be here. This has been a lot of fun.
2: I mean, I you know yeah. this is the first time I've met you, but uh I've heard a whole lot from you from Clint about you from Clint, and uh, and I and I respect the profession and the job you did at Tech so much, and I well, know. I- you know, Clint, you as always talked with nothing but respect for you. Thank it you. does like calling you dirty Steve Mullins
1: sometimes. <laughs> I heard that a lot. <laughs> I think that was your your basketball playing ability. They they said you were dirty. They call you dirty Steve. Well, no doubt.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to win. If
1: you, if you can't
0: jump, you gotta make sure other people can't jump either. <laughs> Amen to
1: that. Yeah, there's so there's so many stories I you know we just we didn't have time to get to running down Mount Bebo, 100 up down day.
0: Um you, you know, remember I, I participated in the 100 up down
1: well, that's track. what I was gonna say and you actually you ran down Mount Nebo and I remember when I ran down it me and Todd Matthews we got next to each other and we just we were just like okay we just don't want to get stuck we just had to stay in front of big Lose. <laughs> we, you were gonna get, we knew you were gonna go all the way down and then you're going to come running back up and run with the last guy. That's and correct. Got so to stay, gotta stay in front of Carlos Austin. That's all we had to do. We would, we would see the headlights on the van come around. And, we're like, <laughs> 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 and then we wouldn't see the headlights anymore. We'd take off walking. Then we'd see the headlights.
0: Nothing funner than running down Mount Nebo. No, yeah. no, it's, it's hard to break.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I should have done it twice, but Travis said I had to marry her. That's <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, I performed Clint's first wedding up on Mount Nebo. Oh, okay. He's blamed me for that ever since. Oh no. Although, Coach, funny story. We, uh, me and Clint had a deal. We, you know, we'd get if we were going on a road trip somewhere or fixing to go do something, we'd just go on the radio and hit the scan button, and find a theme song for that trip. Oh, okay. Well, we leave his house in Russellville to go to Mount Nebo. And uh, we're in my truck, and he hits. He said, "We need a theme song." He hits the scan button, and it lands on uh, uh, Leonard Skinner. "Give me three steps, give me three <laughs> steps, Mister, give me three <laughs> steps to the door." door. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I should have listened. Now looking back on it, we're like, "Oh, that was an appropriate <laughs> theme song." <laughs> so, the more moves in
0: mysterious ways.
2: Well, coach, man, seriously, thank you so much, and well, thank and anyway, both of you guys. And one thing that's so neat, Clint, and, I, and we talked—I know we talked about South Arkansas a little bit, but right here on sixty-seven, one sixty-seven, you know, or, or Highway seventy-nine, you know, whatever you, this four lane is out here from Camden, you got you, you got uh, in Tuberville, uh, and there's been some other coaches. Hey, Brian. Well then you got in Fordyce, you got Larry Lacel, Barry Bryant, and uh um, oh, uh oh uh I can't uh, Jimmy Red Parker.
0: Yeah, Coach Parker. I had a lot of respect for him. Uh he
2: was at he was at OBU when I was there and, uh I took football coaching under him. Oh my got to hear some of his stories. That was a lot of fun. Uh
0: he's had some great, he's a great storyteller.
2: Yeah.
0: Or was but, a great uh, storyteller.
2: There's so many, you know, you talk, you know, so many great coaches came from just this little area. And, hey, and Johnny Cash right down the road, too.
0: Thanks, Dre. Right. That's right.
2: So, you know, when you got music like that raising you up, you know, you know you're going to be good. But uh, I hear you. Anyway, Coach, seriously, thanks a lot so much for being on here. Well,
0: and thank you all.
2: I'm going to stop recording and, here in just okay. a 2nd but stay on here a minute and we'll say okay. our goodbyes. But, you all, thank you so much for uh, – watching this or listening to this podcast we're on amazon we're on apple we're on spotify all those different places uh we have um some a lot of neat things coming up so be paying attention shit like and share this episode with other folks especially if they're football fans and and been around uh coaching and sports uh what what a great time we had here so coach thank you so much clint wasn't too bad you didn't have to take no, off no
0: me.
1: he didn't I, blow
2: the whistle at all i feel good god. Well, i think <laughs> i think uh i think he called you sexy and fat in the same episode. it did tell me i was a terrible
1: football player so
2: That's i mean right. so what was my college all over again
3: what we, it all
2: <laughs> we all everybody have a great week god bless and
0: see ya. sweat what, what?
3: Harvest,
1: hurt, kingdom come Sweat work, filthy, dirt Harvest, hurt, kingdom come Listen, that's why I swear When I work, my hands get filthy down in this dirt
3: Won't see no one else if I hurt Crying your kingdom come Listen in the morning i bow my head to pray mama told me if i don't ain't nothing gonna change